thought I lost my salvation. That's when I was running from God and called to preach. I thought it was over with. I couldn't even look at a fire. Amen? Couldn't look at it. I come home, there's a fire in the fireplace. Couldn't look at it. I just knew I was going to be in them flames. Scared to death. Didn't know what was going on. I walked in the bowling alley one night, and I was shaking. I was trembling. And uh, the guy running the bowling alley asked to buy a pack of cigarettes. I said, Burkett, give me a pack of cigarettes. I was shaking. He goes, he said, what's wrong with you, boy? What are you shaking about? I said, I don't know. I got to where I was shaking. I was beginning to think I was going to get Parkinson's disease like my grandma. She shook and held everything. I got down to 130 pounds, 29-inch waist, 51 inches through the shoulders. I was just shoulders and lats. That's all it was triceps. Uh, my legs look like little bird legs. People laugh at me. And uh, my mom told me, she said, son, you look like a cancer patient. Eyes black, sucked back in my head. I said, what was it? I was running from God. I was in sin, lost hope, thought I was going to hell. My issue was never about whether God saved me or not. My issue was, did I lose my salvation? Did I send away the very gift of God that I had according to Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10? And uh, God delivered me. God met me at Open Door Baptist Church. Amen. December 1984, I had a head-on collision with God. He said, somewhere out there, God draws a line. Bill Herschel threw his arm out like that, and my heart just fell. Sit about four rows back. I just knew. I knew. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. When he said that, I knew I was, God sent me there, and that man had a message from God to tell me, it's over, boy done. Your goose is cooked. <laughs> he said, he said, somewhere out there, God draws a line. He said, when you cross that line, it's over. I knew it was over. I said, God, is that why you sent me here today? Is, it, is this it? Is this, is it? Is it? Is it over? He said, number one, God turned you over reprobate mind. I said, there it is. I got it. Number two, he said, God, heart. I said, there ain't nobody got a harder heart than I got. Number three, God will put you past feet. And I knew right then that I didn't reach that line. He gave an illustration. And he said there was a man that sent his family to a store called Jitney Jungle. That's like our Kroger's. It's like our Save-A-Lot, whatever. And he sent his family to that grocery store. And when they left in his trailer, he took gasoline, poured it over top of poured it all around him and lit it on fire and burnt his family's home down and committed suicide right then. Brother Ursula said, you know what happened to that man? He crossed that line. He didn't care what happened to him. And the Holy Ghost came back to me and smoked me between the eyes and said, boy, you don't get right with me today, I'm going to kill you. You know what that was? That was hope. You know what God told me? He said, you got one more chance. You better slide into home plate this is it because you walk out that door today not being right with me boy it's over with I heard God give me my final warning that was 30 years ago <laughs> I took advantage I hit that altar I wept I cried I bawled I, I was broken I'd say 30 40 minutes I can't even get to tell you how long I, I mean I just wept and then the associate pastor put his arm around me wept as hard as I did I, I can't even brother Joel Rand just wept with me when I got up there, there was little old ladies dancing all over that church and people were shouting. I mean, it, it was on. And all I knew is that God had mercy on me and told me to get right, and I just poured. I mean, I poured it out. Everything. I just, I broke. 
I was shattered. I was done. I, could, I couldn't believe I took the God of the universe and I put him to that place where he was going to squash me. He's done with me. My life's never been the same from that moment. That day was greater than the day I ever got saved because I had a head-on collision with mercy and grace <laughs> and the wrath of God was removed. Amen. The judgment of God that God was going to judge on me and two months later God called me to preach. And the peace of God that entered into my life, I can't even begin to tell you. It was greater than my salvation experience, greater than that experience. God moved in. Listen, I had a piece of God move in my life to where I drive my forklift at work. I had to stop. I said, whoa, God, man, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's phenomenal, God. I mean, it's so celestial, so serene. I had to call somebody. I was calling people. Man. I said, man, you won't believe the peace of God, man. I mean, I'm telling you, it's so rich. It's so thick. The Bible talks about it. Passing understanding. I mean, I, I just marvel. I just, I, I mean, I had to stop. I said, wow, listen. I've already had a taste of heaven, man. And if and if heaven if heaven's like that, you gotta have a glorified body to take that. I'm telling you, it was it was so thick, it was so rich, I can't even I can't even comprehend it. God <laughs> God's rich. He's good. And uh, God convinced me through the scriptures I started to go through there, and he began to show me the battle about eternal life and eternal security, and began to teach me how to rightly divide the Bible and see what these I heard what the heretics said. I was swallowed at their junk hook, line, and sinker, and I was convinced because I couldn't live it that I lost it because I sinned. Amen. Amen. Which boils down to the thing that you ask your preacher. What do you got to do? What sin can you commit to lose it? Ain't none of them can tell you. No. They can't tell you. Right? Whatever's not a faith is sin. Just doubt. Enough. Hello? And if you don't know you're saved, did I, do I got it today? Do I lose the doubt? They say you said you lost it. Right? To simply say, preacher, see you Monday. That's how easy it is to lose salvation. He'd know the good, do it to not to him it is sin. If we say, I'll go over to such and such city, I'm going to Cincinnati and sell hot dogs tomorrow. If I said something like that, the Bible says that's boasting. We should say, Lord will, and I'm going to Cincinnati tomorrow. Lord willing, I'll see you Monday. Lord willing, I'll be here Wednesday night. Because all such boasting, the Bible said, is evil. Right. When we tell somebody, I'll see you Friday, I'll see you tonight, I'll see you here, I'll do this, you're boasting and saying, I will make it there. You don't know what the day it brings forth. That's what he says. He said, your life's but a vapor. Appears a little time, vanished away. How in the world can we tell somebody we're going to meet them in 10 minutes? You got no idea what 10 minutes will withhold. Right? <laughs> Listen. People would be losing it left and right. God said all such boasting's evil. Man's boasting. Proud. Right? Oh, I hate pride. Listen, there's one thing that people say, and I'm not trying to be critical. I, I totally understand. There, there's no way probably to describe it. But I hear people always talking about how pride they are. Don't you hear? I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. I'm proud to be an American. You understand? Is God for that? Is there such a thing in the Bible as good pride? We're talking about jealousy, isn't it? You know there is a good jealousy. God is jealous. Yeah. Right? That's what he says in Exodus 34. And he's jealous with a, over us with a godly jealousy. There are good things to be jealous about. It's not wrong for a husband to be jealous of his wife. Amen? Now, if he's got a spirit of jealousy to where he's hounding her and bugging her, 
You understand? Hello? Amen. I ain't get no amens on that. Amen. But uh, what I'm saying is, there's a, I don't see no good pride in mine. And I try to say I'm thankful for being an American. Not I'm proud to be an American. You understand what I'm saying? I'm thankful to be a Christian. I don't want to be proud. I'm thankful God gave me my children. I don't want to be proud of them because then I'm stepping out in a place that I'm not supposed to be. Because Satan's lifted up a pride. Not a novice, let's be lifted up a pride, falling a snare, the condemnation of the devil, the Bible says. I don't want to be in that condemnation of the devil, being proud of my car, being proud of my children, being proud of my house, being proud of my big old biceps. No, I don't want to. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you. Hello? I don't want to be proud of nothing. I want to be humble. Right? Amen. That's what I want to be. That's right. And, and we fall in a dangerous trap. Amen. And listen, I'm just saying that that if people could lose their salvation, we'd lose it with a proud look. Six things of the Lord hey, yes, that is an abomination. What is it? One of them, a proud look. He said, What's that? It's the last thing. That's the last image on your mirror. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Huh? <laughs> Amen. Handsome dog, you <laughs> strut out the door, right? Yeah. Huh? Amen. Yeah. Get out of the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. That's just a proud look, right? Amen. Why do you, Why do you think I don't have that challenger that Gabriel likes? Gabriel, we we pulled into golf at Rolandia the other day, and there's an orange challenger. Gabriel likes orange. There's chrome wheels and. Orange challenge, brand new orange tra challenger, beautiful. I took a picture with Gabriel standing next to it. Me drive that, me own that. That's one proud preacher, amen. I'd rather have the touch of God. Because I got in that thing and I started strutting, put on some Gary Duty, man, put on some sunglasses. Listen, I had an orange truck, had a nice little Dodson truck that was all fixed up, it was dirty, chrome wheels. It was dirty. I, wore, I rolled into the car wash. Rolled into the car wash, cleaned it all up. Armor all the tires, had that thing spotless. Turned on some Dallas Holmes Christian contemporary music. Slipped my sunglasses on, and I began to go down the road, man. And I was just strutting. Huh? Yeah. And the Lord said, Wow. He said, uh, What changed your attitude, boy? He said, you didn't have that attitude when that truck was dirty when you went in that car wash. What changed your attitude? He said, what are you strutting for? I said, wow. Putting on a pair of sunglasses to do that to you? Sunglasses weren't sin. The chrome wheels weren't sin. The music, maybe it might have been. But I got in the flesh real quick. I got proud. No, God did it. Huh? Hey, Amen. I'm telling you, it's simple. And these people think you can lose your I mean, it'd be that quick. Just one little proud look. And you know what? According to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, they couldn't get it back. I thank God for eternal security. I know what I'm talking Amen. about on that subject. And uh, people people better get a hold of that thing. Amen. It ain't, but, it ain't what these crazy maddocks and all these other people believe it's about. They don't understand salvation because they don't understand the Bible because most of them don't even have a King James Bible. And most of them don't even know the Holy Ghost and they think they got a corner on the market. Wow. They got a false spirit. And they got a spirit that they call holy, but it's wrong one. 
Amen. Colossians chapter number two. That's free. Amen. Uh, we better we better get a hold of this thing. Listen, religious pride is killing people. It's damning multitudes to hell. You say, how do you know? There's four billion people on the face of this earth that's wrapped up in a false religion. Catholicism got over a billion people in it. Muslims got over, Islam's got over a billion people. Hindus got over a billion people in it. Buddhists got over a billion people in it. Amen. India's ate up with Hinduism. The Asians are ate up with Buddhism. Right? Amen. There's over a billion Catholics in England and, and around the world. And there's a bunch of Islamists. Four billion people. More than half, almost three-fourths of the world's population in a religion. Lost on their way to hell and they're proud of it. Nothing will damn your soul more than religious pride. You know what the devil is? He's religious. He's a spiritual being. Spiritual, a spirit being. He's not spiritual when it comes to being saved, but he's a spirit being. You know what he does? He counterfeits himself as Jesus Christ. He makes himself an exact duplicate copy and comes in and deceives people and wants them to worship him. And he gives them spiritual power. And he gives people to imitate Jesus Christ. And people think they're the real thing. His ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. How can you tell the difference? I tell the guys in the jail all the time. A man walks in with a Bible under his arm, a nice suit and tie on. He walks in, said, hi, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. I want to preach the gospel tonight through the power of the Holy Ghost and from the Holy Bible. I said, how would you know if he's real found counterfeit? Their Bible say Holy Bible on the front. Right. Right? They're preaching another Jesus, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 3. They preach another Jesus or another spirit, which we've not received, or another gospel. They got false apostles. They got false preachers. They got false teachers. They got false prophets. Right? They got false Christ. They got false Christians, false believers. How would you know? They're coming in his name. He said, but I never sent them. He talks about prophets over there in Jeremiah 23. He said, they ran. They claimed they had a dream from me. But guess what? That's a vision of their own heart. I said, I told them guys, how would you know if the real guy walked in versus the counterfeit? How do people know they're really saved? How do they know they got the real thing? What's the number one clue? Number one clue to tell you God's man. What's the number one clue? There's all kinds of people got converts, and you know what? Most people think converts is free. Man, getting quiet. <laughs> What's the number one proof? I mean, you go up down the road, churches are full of people. Benny Hinn packs them in. Joel's team packs them in. Is that fruit? People think soul when it's fruit. Converts is fruit. Job Witness has got fruit. They got people. Mormons got fruit. They got missionaries. They're more zealous than the Christians out there trying to win somebody to Jesus. So they're Jesus. Repentance is the number one key of a man of God. He said, if they'd been my man, according to Jeremiah 23, he said they would have caused my people to turn from their sin. Preachers don't want to preach on old time repentance. Preachers don't want to look at somebody and say, you're wrong. It's wrong. You're not right with God. You need to get it right. Amen. Those clowns don't preach repentance. 
Amen. And if they do, it's a false repentance. Because they don't know how to get you right with God. Because they're taking you to the wrong tree. <laughs> That's the number one thing. What? The man's message, what's he saying? You know what he said over there about a prophet in Deuteronomy 13? He said, if a prophet come and do a sign of wonder, he said, don't pay attention if it comes to pass or not. That's not to, that's not to find out if it's the will of God or not. He said, did he take you from the message that I've given to you and cause you to go after a strange God? Who cares if the sign of wonder happens? Who cares if the miracle works? What's his words and where's his words taking you? <laughs> he said, are they getting you to leave me? And to depart from me, you better be careful. And you know what he told him? He said, I don't care if it's your mom or your dad or your sons or your daughters. If they're leading you to a false prophet, you get them killed right now. It was a capital offense to lead you to listen to these clowns. Amen. I'm not allowed to do that today. Hello? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, 19, there must needs be heresies. You know what that means? God says you need a heresy. Why? That they which are approved may be manifest among you. You know how you can tell if a man of God's God's man? He gave you a book in your lap. He gave you a Holy Spirit in your heart. And he says, what's that book say? Does what he say ring true to the Spirit of God that's inside your heart? There must be a counterfeit. There must be somebody lying and preaching to you deceit. That they which are manifest, amen, that he might prove them. Amen. I thank God for the Jehovah's Witness lives and the Mormons' lives. He said, why? Because i got a right to preach the truth. And then people could sit back through prayer and leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and discern who's right and who's not. Amen. That's scary, ain't it? Let's go on with this. Colossians 2, verse 18. Let no man what? Beguile you. St. Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, I fear. Paul had a fear. He said, I fear lest by any means as Satan beguiled Eve that your mind should be robbed from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know what men are doing? They're robbing you of the simplicity of Christ. The devil don't care which ditch you're in. The devil don't care if he gets you in this ditch over here. Right? Or it takes your zeal and pushes you over here. Listen, it's easy to be saved, but he can get you in an easy believism ditch. See, what's that? Gets you where all you got to do is acknowledge facts and never place faith in your heart. Or they get it over here and he can make it so hard that you got to jump through all these hoops and turn it into works. The devil don't care. He just don't want you to be in the middle, right? He wants you to be over here in an Arminian ditch, meaning you got a free will. You can get in and you can get out according to your own will. Or a Calvinist over here that you don't do nothing and that God does it all for you. The devil don't care. You have a free will. You're allowed to exercise it. And God will save you and keep you, but he will not force himself upon you like a Calvinist believes. What's the truth? It's in the middle. They don't like a balance. The devil wants to beguile you. He don't care which ditch you get in. Just as long as you don't get in. But then if you do get in, he wants to shipwreck you. He wants your car in a ditch. For all scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God is profitable for what? Instruction. Right? For reproof. Right? For correction. Right? Let's see. For doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction of righteousness. The doctrine is to tell you how to go down the road. 
Reproofs to tell you you got off the road. Corrections to tell you how to get back on the road. And instructions to tell you how to stay on the road. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, the devil don't care which ditch you're in. People don't want to hear reproof. Reproof of instruction are the ways of life. I told the preacher, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. What am I doing when I reprove? Telling somebody they're wrong? Telling somebody they're not doing it right? Who wants to hear they ain't doing it right? Hey, baby, you're always negative, preacher. Yeah, you're right. That book's negative. <laughs> right? I fear, lest by any means, a Satan beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that your mind should be beguiled through this. Huh? Your, your mind should be robbed from the simplicity of the, of the truth. Amen? Of Jesus. Let no man beguile you. Look at this, verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Watch this. Vainly puffed up by what? His fleshly mind. See, there's a lot of people that sit back and say, well, I had a vision. Jesus come stood at the foot of my bed. I got a miracle. I got a tongue. I got a doctrine. I got a revelation. I got a word of knowledge. There's a lot of people that want to be somebody. And we're all seeking some kind of identity. We identify ourselves with somebody, something. You understand? And a bunch of us identify ourselves with high things, and a bunch of us identify ourselves with low things, and a bunch of us identify ourselves with medium things. But we all have an identity crisis. I got a book in the house, I haven't read much of it, but it's called In Search for Significance. Everybody wants to be significant somehow to somebody. And there's a bunch of kids that feel worthless and they feel like there's a bunch of trash and they go out on the streets and they meet a bunch of pieces of trash and they meet a bunch of other people that's in gangs. And you know what? They got initiations to get into that gang. Like uh, rape, sex, and killing people and taking bricks to the face and getting beat up by each member and allowing them to spit in your face and do all the... Listen, they're, they're, they're dirty, filthy kids. They want to run with dirty, filthy kids. But then there's others that are very high-class people. And they associate themselves in universities. Amen. They're all 4.0 honor students. Amen. And, and they're, they're the cream of the crop, the valedictorians. And they get in these little clubs. And, and listen, they hide themselves away in country clubs and things like that. And they get the good jobs. They get the money. And they're the upper crust. And you cannot come into my presence. you got to have a pecking order. you got to go through things to even let, these people, even let them even see you. That's where we're at in this society. How in the world Barack Obama go to some place and offer dinner and everybody's got to pay $10,000 to eat a plate of food to listen and talk? Man, you talk about upper crust. Huh? I don't think no man's worth $10,000 to listen to. You understand? I don't care who he is. Amen? But I'm just telling you, those people think they don't stink. Right? I mean, I'm just telling you, there's different classes of society. Everybody's trying to identify with somebody. And they're all hoping that somehow this individual, their claim to fame. You know what people's claim to fame is today? This stupid knockout game. You know what that knockout game is? Hello? That they got a bunch of kids standing on the street corner, and they got video cameras, and innocent old people are walking down the street, and this kid runs up behind them, knocks them clean off their feet, and knocks them out, and they hit the ground. One person, one old man, plant, plants his face in a concrete curb. I'm just telling you, they're doing that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a woman who's carrying a baby. They knocked her down. There's a woman that, that was pregnant. They knocked her down. They think it's cool. They think it's great. 
You know what they're doing? They're putting their faces on there. Then they're going around picking fights and doing stupid stuff, and these people got all these claims of fame. I was watching yesterday stupid videos. You say, why are you watching it? Because they're stupid. You say, why? Some kid pat on the bike as fast as he can, there's a road sign. <laughs> and he just flips out, wipes out. He's stupid. He wants to hurt himself? I'll laugh at him. Huh? That's his moment of claim to fame. You know what he's done? He's found himself a fool. He's a fool with four O's. F-O-O-O-L. Hello. Amen. And you know what he does? A companion of fools to be what? Destroyed. You know how many of them kids are writhing in pain? That are stupid, jumping off of buildings and doing all kinds of stuff for their buddies? And blowing things up? And I mean, one guy, they light a guitar. They pour fluid all over this guitar and this kid's on his knees. And he's sitting there and he's got kind of long, bushy hair. And they take that guitar and they bust it over his head. And then his head catches on fire. Then he stands up and he's laughing. <laughs> and they're laughing like idiots. And he's putting all the fire out in his head and he's walking around like, hey man, it's cool. That's his claim to fame. Amen? How'd you like to see your son doing that? I'd hit him with something. But it wouldn't be in the head because there ain't nothing up there. That ain't gonna work. Hello? <laughs> I'm just talking people are looking for their claim of fame. They're looking for something to be identified with. People want to be identified with their sports teams and people want to be identified with their clothing or their jewelry or, or their cars or, or their jobs. Uh, Listen, there's a bunch of men that want to put on white coats today and wear a stethoscope and walk through the hospital. And everybody said, doctor, 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 oh, doctor. There's a bunch of people who want to be identified with these politicians. I'm just trying to tell you, they're looking for their claim of fame. People can't wait to gather around to go to America's Got Talent to meet some of these people. And when they rope off the areas and these stars come by, I just got to touch you. Got to get your autograph. Oh, I got an autograph. I, got, I touched famous. Listen, people are looking for some kind of identity. Man, you, you got a problem. You got an identity with a baseball and some guy's signature on it. That sits on your mantle. And you worship that thing. You understand what I'm saying? People worship that stuff. We're, people are looking for identity. People are all looking. Oh, I, I kissed the Pope and I touched his ring and oh, he passed by. Oh. A bunch of people, you know, Benny Hinn blew his bad breath on me and I got knocked over. Hello? Amen. I'm telling you, but that's her claim of fame. Kenneth Copeland passed by and he waved his coat and I fell over jiggling, you know. Who cares? That's just a bunch of claim to fame. People are all seeking that kind of junk. You know what? God's not interested. You say, what is it? That's people being uh, beguiled, thinking they got to be something. They got an identity crisis and they all want to be something. And you know what they're doing here? Look at what it says. Verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward of voluntary humility and worshiping of angels and treating into things which is what? Hath not seen. Everybody's got a vision. You go to these charismatic churches, everybody's got a tongue. Everybody's got a vision. Everybody's got a prophecy. You understand what I'm saying? They all got to search for some kind of spiritual significance. Vainly. What's vainly mean? Hmm? It's empty. It's vain. It's worthless. Vainly puffed up. You know what puffed up is? That's pride. Lifted up, swelled up like a bullfrog. Huh? You know, you know, you know what puffed up is? Run over a coon, and when you hit that coon or that possum, come back tomorrow when it's 95 degrees out, amen, and you'll see that thing puffed up. That's what the average Christian looks like. They're puffed up. Amen. 
right? I've seen a little old deer hit, amen, and then swelled up so huge on the lay on the side of the road. Those things puff up. That's the average Christian today. When I talk about spiritual, this is a false humility they have. He said, vainly puffed up how? By his what? Fleshly mind. Turn to Philippians a couple pages over to your left. Philippians chapter number three. He said, preacher, these people got good hearts. They're deceived. They're deceiving themselves. They don't want the truth. They're pawning themselves off as spiritual people, and they're not. Look at what it says. Verse 17, Philippians 3, 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. That's a pretty proud statement, ain't it? Paul knew he had the right message and he's encouraging people to follow him. And if you're a Bible-believing Christian, following Paul's the key. Most religions do not follow Paul. If you don't follow Paul in your Bible, you're in trouble. 317. Philippians 317. He said, Mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are what? Enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind what? These people's minds fool the earth and the earthly things. They're worldly, they're carnal, and he said to mark them, you understand? Mark them and avoid them which preach contrary to doctrine ye have learned, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Why? Because with fair speeches and good words, they deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what the Bible said? Avoid them. You know what the world says? Let's all get together. Let's rent another center and all the churches just come in Jesus' name and we'll all get along as long as you leave your doctrine outside and you accept ours. God's not into ecumenicalism. God's inter interested for his people to stand up there taking the sword of God and drawing the line. Christ didn't come to bring peace, the Bible said, but division. Amen? A sword divides. He said, I come to set them at variance. He talks about a father being against a son and a son against a daughter. Amen? And, and, or a son against a father and a daughter against a mother and a mother against a daughter and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. There's five in one house. And he come to divide. He said, a man's foes be they of his own house. You get saved, you get born again, you call upon Jesus Christ, you will split your home down the middle. You know what a lot of people are doing? They're saving their house and they're getting rid of Christ and the Holy Ghost. They won't take a stand. Listen, Christ knows that if you take a stand, it'll cause division. But are you willing to step out by faith and take him and allow the division to come? I'm not talking about being contentious. I'm talking about being an honest, true Christian and said, hey, Jesus Christ is Lord and you must trust him. You're not divided. All these churches are divided on that. They don't want to take a stand. These men are cowards. They won't stand up and preach the truth. You know what God's looking for? Somebody that's willing to got some boldness to stand up and speak the truth. I'm not saying in hate. I'm talking about honesty and bold and love for God and truth and righteousness. I open my mouth. If you care about souls and you care about people, you'll speak the truth in love, and it is in love. Well, you know, you wouldn't know it's in love with you barking as loud as you barking, as red as you get in the face. Somebody's got to wake people up. 
George Whitfield said the church is in such a deep sleep that the only thing that can wake it up is a loud voice. Awake to righteousness and sin not. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. For many not have the righteousness or the knowledge of God. Amen. And that what he says? Awake to righteousness, sin not, for many have not the knowledge of God. Then what's he say? This I speak to your shame. It's my shame because people don't have the, the knowledge of God. Why don't they have the knowledge of God? Because I won't open my mouth because I'm a chicken. Amen. <laughs> I'm not a coward. What? I, I didn't get no amen. <laughs> amen. We need to get a surfboard here, man. We need to hang ten for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> You said you're crazy. Listen, the Bible said, cry aloud, spare not. Show my people their sin. That's why men don't want to preach. It's not popular. Jesus is going to bring division. Oh, Jesus is going to unite everybody. The only way they unite is they to take the Bible believer and get rid of him. It's the only way you can do it. Right? What did they do to Micaiah in 1 Kings 22? They locked him up in prison, gave him starvation rations. He told the king the truth. He said, is there anybody else who can speak for the Lord? He said, yeah, there's one, but I hate him. He never tells me nothing good concerning me. Amen. If you're God's man and you got God's book, you'll probably never say nothing good concerning man. Everybody wants to stroke the kitty cat, don't they? Huh? They want a preacher that's going to pet them when they come into church. Huh? Right? Nice little tither. Keep putting your money in the plate. Nice little tither. Keep putting your money in the plate. Oh, you look so beautiful today. <laughs> yeah, wicked, filthy dog. Huh? Amen! Uh, Hello? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen! They're enemies of God. Right? Who mind earthly things. They want to serve God using worldly ways. God's not interested in worldly ways. I took an evangelist class over there at Charity Baptist Institute. And I went over there and Lanny Hasbrook came in to preach. I loved him to death. I wish God would have never took him home. But he's now with glory, Lord with glory. And I had an evangelist at class. And he began to teach us methods of evangelism and went through a bunch of different things. And as he's talking to us, he said he went to Tennessee Temple College. And he went to Tennessee Temple down there and he had to work a job. And as he's working a job, he's selling insurance. And as he's selling insurance, they're going through a method and a program and a plan how to sell insurance. Then he went to discipleship class at the, the college, and when he went there, they were doing the same methods to win souls as they were selling insurance. He said, this ain't right. He said, they're, they're trying to win souls like we sell insurance. Sign on the dotted lines, all that matters. Yep. He said, man, when you go to a hospital, you can get a Catholic to pray. Catholics pray all the time. You gotta be careful this one, two, three, repeat after me stuff. I'm believing it, I believe it's easy to be saved, but I don't want just nickels and noses and people to pray prayers and damn their soul to hell because their heart didn't come to Christ. I believe a man gets stung by the Holy Ghost of God, he gets troubled, he'll fear going to hell, he'll sweat, he'll cry, he'll wish to God, amen. He'll, he'll be going, I'm going to hell, man, I'm gonna burn it. I don't want to go. Oh God, he'll be troubled. A woman will be troubled. Maybe she'll go for days. Oh, she'll be sweating and fretting and going back and forth. Oh, man, I could go to hell. Man, I could die. I could go to hell. Oh, man. Where's people getting like that today? Where's people getting worried? 
Where's people worrying? What else over their eternity? You know what preachers are doing today? Oh, it'll be all right. You just say this little prayer. Just say, yeah. Man, taking away the, the conviction is stuck in there. Amen. You, say, you better be careful. I'm telling you, you better be careful. I'm not against somebody calling upon the Lord. I believe it's easy to believe. But that person better be under conviction by the Holy Ghost and they better be trembling. Amen. When the Holy Ghost pricks a man with a sword, you can't shake that thing. It takes work to get rid of that thorn. And when God hangs you out over hell, buddy, I'm telling you, he knows how to do it. But he needs men to preach. He needs men to uncompromisingly stand up and not fear what man says. Ain't that what he told Jeremiah? He said, be not dismayed at their faces. Amen. Isn't that what he said? Who cares what they look at you? Who cares what they say? Get up and rear back and preach. Told Ezekiel to stomp his feet, clap his hands. Amen. Slap the pulpit. That's what he told them to do. I don't like that kind of preaching. I want to go over here where I got tender ears and he can pat my little ears and tickle my little ears. Oh, goochie, 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 goochie. Huh? Amen. They don't want a man of God to roar like a lion and preach against their sin. Tell it right. Who mind earthly things. We're not here seeking worldly methods. I'm not going to some college somewhere trying to get some administrator to come in here and do all this praise and worship and get all these activities and get everybody rah-rah. Amen. And get everybody excited so I can get them all to come down here and pray one, two, three, repeat after me and go off and go to hell. Amen. For many walk. Who, who does that? Verse 18. Many. You better, you better pay attention to that four-letter word. Many. Over and over. Many. 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 Matthew 24. Many. Matthew chapter number 7. Many. 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 Over there in 1 Corinthians 1. Not many noble. Not many mighty. And Queen Victoria, I believe it was, said, I thank God for an M. Or he didn't say not any. Amen. Amen. For many walk of whom I have told you often. And now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're coming in Jesus' name. And they're corrupt. They're vile. They look like him. They act like him. They got the hallelujahs and the praise gods and the amens. Amen. And they're singing the praise and worship songs. They're just having a good time. Amen. And they're using a book that says holy on it. And it's corrupt and vile. And damn your soul to hell. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I don't use a corrupt seed when I preach and when I sow wind. I use the seed, which is the word of God, Luke 8, 11. When I first started preaching, I got up, I put, I saturated my messages with so many scriptures. I would write them out and read them. And I'd flood my sermons with the word of God. You say, why? Because that's what quickens. That's what cuts. That's what works. I point men to the book. What saith the scriptures the theme of our place? I'm not interested in trying to get a bunch of people in here that don't want the truth, that just want some entertainment, amen, that want some country club. I'm not interested in having a Christian country club. 
I'm not against boys shooting basketball, girls and boys playing volleyball. I'm not against all that. But I'm not trying to get some dating softball team together and get a bunch of lost men that can hit a ball over the fence just so we can get a trophy in our trophy case. I'm interested in the souls of men and reaching men and, and have men that honestly want to serve God and women and Christians. I want people to serve God by conviction, not by convenience. People want to be God. Amen? They're worldly. They're vainly puffed up in their fleshly mind. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 14. That we henceforth be no more what? Children. Children. He wants us to grow up. Amen? You know how many preachers treat their people like little kids? You know how many preachers got their people eating out of their hands? They like being talked down to like a little baby. You know what I learned at Hiles Pastor School when I went up there and they, the whole thing that week was on preaching? They said, you know the only people you preach to like adults? <laughs> you know who the only ones you preach to like adults? Teenagers. what they say. You know why? Because they're at that age, they want to grow up. That boy wants to be a man. So put it on me, preacher. I want to be a man. You know what a lot of these churches are doing? They treat teenagers like little kids. You want to be a man? I'll tell you how to be a man, boy. They like that stuff. You see, they don't. <laughs> I, I skin them young kids. I, I, listen, I was a Sunday school teacher for the teenager, and I preach youth camp. Ask her. I don't back down. I let them kids have it. Hey. You say, why? Because I'm trying to affect their life. You know what they said you do with adults? You preach to them like little kids. I don't preach to them like little kids. Hello. Well, we've got preachers now that just want to share stories. They don't want to preach straight. They don't want to tell a man, hey, bud, be the man in your house. Man up. Lead your home. Hey, lady, submit your husband. Do what that book says. Guide the house like the Bible says to. Submit to him. Obey him like the Bible says. I ain't going to do that. Children, obey your parents. Not the tenth time. How many times? How many times? One. Does it work doing it the other way? Do you got any illustrations of that? Amen? Expect and obey. I said, do it. How many times you tell me no? Maybe once. I tell you what, no, that's it. You, you done commit, let's go. We're going upstairs. We'll fire your hind it. You said, what? I'm telling you. And if that boy ever gets married, my daughter-in-law calls me and said, Dad, your son's out of control. I said, I'll be over there, and I'll be cutting me a big switch. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee you, he'll run in the closet and hide. He'll be shaking back. Oh, God, what'd you call my dad for? <laughs> <laughs> He ain't going to treat his daughter-in-law like that. <laughs> and amen, amen. Hello? He's only got one dad. Jerry, Jerry McDonald said that. He run a boy's home out there. You know what he said? He said, you, your children don't need a buddy. He said, they need you to be their parent. You only got one parent. You better be the parent. Don't worry about being his pal. Be his dad. That's what I am. Amen. 
Now you understand, Brother Nick, why there's vacancies in the church right now. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. Listen, I want to live for God, and I expect people to do right. I expect you to live right. I expect you to do right. I, expect, I, I believe you're here because you want God and want to know the truth. I'm not trying to rail on anybody. I just want to preach the truth, lay it out there, let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do with the truth. And we read a testimony tonight. People appreciate it. And others don't. Amen. Amen. Look at what it says. Verse 14. Did we henceforth be no more children? Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. There you go. You know what that is? Can I tell you what that is? That's church hopping. Amen. Can I tell you how many people from different Baptist churches filled charity? You know what we found out about charity? When I was sitting over there, people would go to charity Baptist church from all these local churches around charity, and they'd say, this is what Brother Lovely said. Brother Lovely said, do you want more? He said, if you do, i got a place over here to give you more. Because all them other churches, they only take you up to first, second, third grade. And then they just had activities, and the preacher would go right back to John 3, 16, like you were saying the other day, that these preachers preach so much on salvation that the people aren't getting fed. Right. But there are places where people can get more. But then there's people that come over there, and then Brother Eastep and them... They're hammering it out there, and they're putting it out there, and they're, it's a preacher's preaching ground, and it's a place to train preachers. It's a military. Not everybody can survive in the Marines and the SEALs and the Rangers. That's what charity is spiritually. That's what PBI is spiritually. Do you know how many preachers can't handle spiritual boot camp? you know how many preachers came in charity and turned around and walked out because they couldn't follow a leader? They couldn't submit to a man of God. Dave Gray came in there. Brother Eastep looked across his desk. He said, boy, you burn me and I'm going to burn you. You understand me? First week I was there, first four services, Brother Eastep preached on sanctification. I sat on the front row because I'm under the spot where the glory come out. And he said, God wants you, boom, and threw his finger in my chest and echoed through my body. He wants you sanctified. Yes, sir. And he kept drilling that finger in my chest. You know what he's doing? He pulled out my little spiritual dipstick. Said, hmm, can he take this kind of preaching? Yeah, that's good I'm not talking about running around poking you guys in the chest. I'm just telling you what the man of God did. Amen! Short little bald-headed guy. Right? Oh, that old man of God preached. That old man of God done some great things. And that old man teaches the book. And he, he raised up some good preachers. And a lot of people hate his stand and hate him. Amen. But he subjected himself to the word of God and said, I'm just going to let it fly. And he let it fly. Amen. You know what I said? I said, give me more, give me more, give me more. Oh, keep feeding me, feed me, feed me. I need a man of God to instruct me and tell me where to go. Amen. You want a man of God going to tell you what you want to hear. What you need to hear. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I seen in Brother Easton. He told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. I thank God. For you know what people want on, on the radio? They want on the TV? They want some pansy. But give them what they want. Throw their little tantrums. 
preacher gives them their little lollipops, gives them their little suckers. And he's got all these people running around his church, all these adults with their little rattles, amen, and their little bonnets on, amen, and filling their little Depenses up, amen. And he spreads out the little toys out there, and he's got, he's got these men running, oh, I love you, preacher. I love you, oh, so nice, right? Little thumb-sucking babies. I want, I, I want to be part of a spiritual church that's militaristic. Yeah. Jimmy Hood, everywhere he went, he preached. He said, I'm an old-time, independent, Bible-believing militant. Boy, they didn't like that. <laughs> you separate the men from the boys, don't you? But you know what a man does when he wants to be a seal? He don't care what that drill instructor says. He said, I'm going to earn it. And I ain't going to be one that taps out. I'm going to be a ranger. Amen. You know what Bob Hawk said? They said, there's only three of you that's going to be a Green Beret when this class is over. He said, I'm going to be one of the three. You know what Bob Hawk did? He was one of the three. It takes determination. It takes strength. It takes stamina. It takes commitment. It takes guts. That's what God wants. Men with guts. Courage. Almost gone. See the signal. Right? Yeah. It says, courage almost gone. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still. Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace we will. Amen. Look at what it says. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Amen. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to what? To see. There's, there's preachers sitting out there. <laughs> Come on into the little trap. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come into my trap. Come on. Come on. I got my webs. They're putting their little webs out there. Say, Come on in. I ain't got no web. You know what my sign says? Right! <laughs> commercials. You understand that one, right? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Amen. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to deceive. But speaking in truth, how? You know what people think love is? Candy coating. Listen, I'm not trying to criticize anybody that's got an education. I'm not trying to criticize anybody that goes gets an education. I've been saved from an education. Amen. But here's the thing. Ruckman's got a book called Damnation of a Nation. In the book on Damnation of a Nation, he says there's five men destroyed America. And he said the bottom line is a syntax. He said the bottom line is people uh, go to college, they learn the trade of the craftsmen, and then they charge the suckers because they don't know the terminology and the vocabulary. And it works in college is in Christian colleges as well as does secular colleges. They create a trade language, and then the poor little suckers that can't go and afford the education are going to wind up making these people that can't afford it to pay them the rest of their life. I ain't got no use for it. Hello? Amen. I'm glad I didn't go get educated where I got to charge a bunch of suckers money. Amen. To come eat at my table. 
Amen. I'm just a simple, plain old fellow. Amen. That wants to tell it just like it is. Shoot straight. Amen. My dad told me not to throw any junk when I was pitching as a kid. He said, just throw the fastball, son. Don't hurt your arm. Don't throw out your elbow. Amen. Just throw it straight. Throw it high. Put it across the plate. That's all I know how to do is put it out there. I don't know how to throw junk. I don't know how to deceive. I don't know how to get flattering titles like Elihu said. I'm not here to flatter you. I'm here to preach the truth. There ain't no doubt where I stand. I draw the line. I put it out there. Billboard letters. This is where I stand. Got any doubts? <laughs> Amen. People said, I don't like that. That's fine. Amen. I understand that. But I believe I got to draw a line in a sense. I don't want to be identified with one of these clowns. Amen. You understand? I don't want to. They're all standing around called clergy and reverend. I, I don't want nothing to do with that crowd. Yep. Hello? Amen. Listen, I'm not trying to put a feather in my hat, but the other night I preached under that tent and I'm sitting there at a the table and a man's sitting there, he goes, man, he said, I like that preaching. He said, you preach like a man. That was a man preaching tonight. I said, yeah, that's what, that's what I am. That's what I want to do. Amen. They were liking it. Those boys reading it up. Them boys had been, been, been beat up by the devil and the serpents had them in his mouth and he's chewing them up and he's ready to spit them out and they need somebody to stand up and look at him and say, boy, repent, get right. Leave sin, leave it alone. Don't touch her. Don't touch him. Leave the dope alone. Quit your boozing. Do right. Get up. Go out. Get a job. Amen. Amen. We ain't got a lot of preachers willing to do that stuff. Amen. Brother Olstein. Dr. Ron Olstein, he ain't afraid to do that. He's raised some good boys. He was sitting in a preacher's house. And the preacher, his wife, said something. He said, Now listen here, little girl. That girl melted like that woman melted like butter. And she fought the advice of that man of God. He didn't pull, he didn't pull no punches. And that woman, she pretty strong lady but you know what he did listen here little girl and he shot straight with her and helped her she received that that's what we need he wasn't being rude he wasn't being crude he's getting their attention that's what we need we need people to get some people's attention today not like that one clown that you guys show me on youtube where he's rebuking everybody openly <clears throat> here's a guy in the video booth you know i love you son you know <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about preaching the truth, though. And speaking it in love. I speak it in love. Because I love you, and if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. Right? Speaking the truth in love, may what? That's the whole purpose of church. You got saved, you got born in the family of God. Now, grow up. That's what we're supposed to do. Grow them up. That's the purpose of a pastor and a teacher and an evangelist. For protecting the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying the body. Build them up. To what? Verse 13. Till we all come what? The fullness of the stature of Christ onto a perfect man, complete, whole, mature. That's what God wants. God wants us to grow up. You know what a lot of people don't want to do? They don't want to grow up. You want to know how to grow up? You know how I make these kids grow up? One of the main ways they grow up is responsibility. You get up and make your bed. Yeah, you make your bed. Last one out of our bed does what? Do I ever make it? 
Listen, that's responsibility. You pick up after yourself. Amen. They were allowed to play with one toy. When they got that toy out, they wanted to get another one. They went and put that one back, got the other one out. You said, I can't believe that. You ever been in homes where every toy in the world scattered all over the place? Huh? In 15 minutes before daddy came home, guess what they did? They went around, they cleaned the house, got it all ready. You know what an old 1932 economics, home economics book did? Told the woman, 15 minutes before your husband comes home, go up in the mirror, fresh yourself up, comb your hair, put a little smell good on, get yourself nice clean, get the kids cleaned up, make a beautiful atmosphere, maybe light some candles, do some other things, make a nice, nice entrance for when your husband comes home. You know what happens? When I get home, I get home anywhere between 5 and 5.15, sometimes 5.20. Dinner's usually on the table. I'm greeted at the door by my daughter, my son, my wife. I'm greeted with a hug and a kiss, and then my dog greets me and whizzes all over the place. <laughs> wow. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you. But that dog goes nuts when I come home. She's standing at the front door. She's just, Priscilla used to do that when she was two. Now she does. <laughs> Priscilla, her head, <laughs> her, her head would barely get over that, that little aluminum divider there. And she'd be there and she'd be standing out front. And I'd pull up and she'd start, oh, daddy's home. She'd start jumping all over the place. Now she was there. <laughs> huh? I didn't say Priscilla Wiz. I just said she <laughs> I'm sorry, Faith. I didn't try to throw that in there. <laughs> Speaking the truth of love, may grow up in him in all things, which is even Christ. You know what? Listen, home economics taught them young girls years ago how to be prepared for when a man came home. And then I've heard preachers sit back and they find, you, you, what kind of tyrant are you? You got to make your dinner on the table when you, when you get home. Huh? Who do you think you are? Did I make you? We discussed that, didn't we? And he said, when do you want dinner? And I said, how about as soon as I get home so we get all that out of the way and then we have free time? I don't want to come home, sit around for 30, 40 minutes, then eat dinner, and then next thing you know, my night's gone and I got to go to bed. So we, we discussed that. Like, who's the dietitian in the house? Who, who, who decides who's going to make the meals and what they're going to make? Who goes to the grocery store and picks it all out? She does. We done discussed all that. She'll say, what do you want? And I said, fix whatever you make, I'll eat it. Amen? Right? Solves all the arguments in the house. All the problems are gone. We work together. Amen? What do I cook in the house? Do you want me to cook in the house? Do you even want me to make your sandwich? Hello? Amen. You said you're tired. I'm willing to do it. She don't want it done. And you know what? I respect her. I dwell with her according to knowledge. Amen. Listen, we learned to work this thing out when we started. Hello? Not being a jerk. It's just being willing to work together and dwell with her according to knowledge. Amen. And I already told her, I said, don't tell me to take out the trash because I won't do it. But if you ask me to take it out, I'll take it out. And if you tell me to do it, it'll sit there and rot, stink, and your house will be bad, and you'll sit here all day and you got to smell it. Amen. And don't tell me to get out there and mow the grass because you won't see your little kids in the backyard. <laughs> Hello. Amen. I don't need to be told to mow my grass. I don't need a second mom. I don't have a second mom. I got a wife. She's not my mama. And she's not going to click her fingers and say, jump. It ain't going to happen. I didn't marry her for that. If she wants to become that, 
I can always go see Nick at Lowe's and get door locks and change them when she leaves. <laughs> amen. Oh, amen. You, you understand what I'm saying? I love her. And I dwell with her according to knowledge. And I try to make her life as good as possible that I can do. She's got no restraints on her. She's got liberty to come and go. She don't have to. Listen, we got one check account. Amen. We share our monies. Her money's mine. My money's hers. She don't have to have permission to go get gas in the car. There's men that make their women do that. There's women that got to call up to me. Can I buy a loaf of bread? Oh, you knucklehead, man. She don't need permission. To, if them kids need something, go get it. And if you're busy in homeschool and all that, you want to go to McDonald's and eat there tonight, then eat there. I give you liberty to do that. I'm not a tyrant. Just don't become my mom and click your fingers and tell me to do something. Now, she might go, you think maybe we can get some wallpaper and do this or do that? Or, yeah, let's go look. Let's go get it. Right? Alan Jones said, let her decorate the house any way she wants. Just as long as she gives you one room, that's your man's room. And you know what? I'm invaded by lace all through my house and wallpaper. <laughs> Hello? But I got a man cave. It's surrounded by books with a lazy boy in it and a computer. Nice. Amen? Right? I got my place. She's got hers. Hello? And I go in my bedroom, I think I'm in a tent and the hair. It's beautiful. Right? I got no problem decorating that thing. She left one time, and we had wallpaper, and I wallpapered that whole bedroom for her, doing all that kind of stuff, helped take care of her. Listen, we work together. We're a team. We're a unit. We're one. And we've got each other's mind on things, and we discuss things, and we work things out. The Bible said dwell with their core to knowledge. You know what? I want them to grow up. You know how I get them to grow up? I give them responsibility. You got to do this, this, and this. And when you're done here, you do this, you do this, you do this. Hello. And make them learn their responsibility. That's my responsibility to make them be responsible. Amen? That's how you make them grow up. Amen? That's what you do in a church, too, is you give responsibility out to people. It helps them grow. Helps them exercise their faith. Hello? Well, you're a stinking dictator telling me what to do. They try to do that. Amen? <laughs> But if volunteers come and need direction, we'll try to point them in the right way to help them grow. Did you know when I went to charity, hey amen, they need a volunteer to usher, and I stood back at that back door for 14 years to get people to sit down? That wasn't good. Then, I'm in a, then I got a camp meeting going, and they got 50 of the greatest preachers in America all gathered around. I want to stand at the back wall, and Brother Gresham, Brother Eastham, walk by and say, Clifford, don't let anybody stand here at the back wall. So I got to go up to all these great preachers. Hey, you need to sit down. Well, my back's hurt. The preacher said, sit down. And then Brother Eastep, I told Brother Gresham, I said, put a sign back here on the wall. And it says, do not stand, please. You know how many preachers can read? They can't read? Huh? And then they tell me to go do that. He had a guy named Richard Sandler there. He's a big preacher. He's a giant preacher. Amen. And one night he was late for church. And Brother Eastep, I stand back here and said, Clear it. I guess he said, go call Sandler. Find out we ain't in church. I said, oh, boy, this ought to be good. Amen. So I called up Brother Sam. I said, hey, Brother Sam. I said, yes, sir. I said, uh, Brother Eastside wants to know why you're not in church. He said, church will start at 7.30. I said, no, sir, 7 o'clock. Oh, I'm away. <laughs> you know what I had to do? I had to call, call some big preacher and find out why he was late for church. You know what that was? That was responsibility given to me, teaching me how to grow up, man up, do some things. Amen? Didn't he give you responsibilities? Taught you how to do some things? Like getting his Gatorade for him? filling up his picture full of ice before he started church and setting it up there beside. He'd take young girls and teach them my responsibility. Here, go fill up my Gatorade. Go here, do this, go do that. Listen, he gave people responsibility. One responsibility they had was taking all their cassette tapes and erasing them. Amen? That was a responsibility. It took on responsibility. 
Hello? Give you responsibility. Give you Sunday school class. Let you do this. Let you do this. Let you do this. Listen, they gave you responsibility. What? To grow. And as he seen you grow, he gave you a harder task and a harder task and a harder task. Amen. You want to grow up? You got to take on responsibility. <clears throat> Amen. You know what the world's trying to do? Absolve us of responsibility. Look at what it says. But speaking the truth in love, you may grow up into him in all things, which is head, even Christ. Whom, or from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies. Listen, I need you. I need every member of the church to be in unity and want to go the same direction. And then kind of three, we'll all lift. One, two, three. We do it in unison. We work together. You ever try to pick something up when nobody else wants to pick it up? Yeah. <laughs> you hurt yourself. Right? You ever pick up something real heavy? And find out that you're the only guy carrying it because the next guy dripped down a little bit like this. And right <laughs> I've been on that end of the log many times. <laughs> I've been with, I know them, brethren. And I, and I marked them. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. From whom the whole body. Fitly joined together, compacted by which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working of the, amen, in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, how? In the vanity of their. That's what, that's what he's describing over there in Ephesians, or Colossians 2. These people, they think there's something up here, right? They're mental midgets. But boy, they think they're giants. Amen. And they think they're holier than thou, man. Amen. And they think when they walk in the room, God walks in the room. And they think they're the fourth part of the Trinity. Amen. You said, I've never seen them. I've seen them. I've seen Dr. So-and-so walk in the back room. And I tell you what, it ain't good. Amen. I know one preacher walked up with his Bible and looked at another young preacher. He said, you're sitting in my seat, young man. He said, well, I didn't see your name on it. He said, that's my seat. You better get up. And the guy that was sitting there was a point guard in the Marines that wore necklaces with people's ears on it. There was a street fighter. And he says, you better get a walking on, old man. And the old man walked on. But that old man walked in, thought he was somebody, and he thought that preacher ought to just jump out of the seat and give it to him because he thought he was somebody. I know some preachers that when the camp meeting starts at 6, 7.30, they come walking in because they don't want to be the first preacher. They want to be the last preacher. And they come walking in with a Bible. Amen? That's it. I'm not talking about being late. I'm talking about they think they're a big shot, and they come walking in. And they want to make a grand entrance. Everybody can see them when they show up. And then they expect people to start clearing cues to give them an opportunity to sit down. I've seen it. I've been there. Amen? Well, I'll tell you what. And those men, I've seen some of them men fall. you got to be careful. got to be careful. I'm a little guy. I'm going to stay little. Amen? That's what, that's, that, to me, that's the best place. Slide under the door. Amen? When the door's shut and I can walk into the sanctuary, man, that's a good day. Hello? And when a snake runs over top of me, I know I'm really low. Right, girl, Hugh said water seeks the lowest level. Hey, Amen. I want to be on the lowest level.
Look at what he says. He said, verse 17, And this I say, therefore, and testifying to the Lord, that henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, and giving themselves over to the civilness, to work on cleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, but if, but if so be that ye have heard of him, and have been taught by him, as truth is where? In Jesus. You got to be careful what your mind devil that's what he wants right there and if he can get in between your ears and you can entertain things that, that shouldn't be entertained in there he can get us so puffed up so sideways on God he said they're alienated from the life of God they think they're serving God and the Bible said they're alienated <laughs> you know what that means it's foreign God is foreign to them God don't know them they don't know God some having a form of godliness denying the power thereof just going through the motions. Religion. You know what religion is? A bunch of activity without God. You know what? I don't want to have an activity without God. I want God. I want Him in real. And I want it true. And I want it straight. Amen. That's what I desire. And that's what I want. And what Colossians is trying to tell us is we got to beware when men want to beguile us. Amen. With will worship. And they're vainly puffed up in their fleshly mind. Voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. What are they doing? they got a form of godliness. They're out there trying to say, show these monks and all these other type of people and these so-called Christians, I'm holier than thou. I'm holier than thou because I grow a beard and shave my mustache. I'm holier than thou because I wear a straw hat and bib overalls. I'm holier than thou because I put a little bonnet on my head. I'm holier than thou because I can wear a black dress with a little white dot on it. Oh, man. And i got a cross around my neck and a red scarf around my belly. And I'm a cardinal. Oh, pew. I'm holy now because I put on my funny underwear and pedal a bicycle. Listen, you, we got to be careful about costumes and uniforms in Christianity. You understand? God, listen, people try to impress somebody. Brother Lovell said he had two women split his church over there trying to have a singing contest. He wasn't worried about worshiping the Lord. It was about who can outperform the other. We ain't up here performing. We're trying to minister and sing and bless your heart and preach. Why? To bless people's hearts and souls and draw them into Christ and, and touch people's lives. We're trying to get rid of religion. We're trying to worship in spirit truth. Jesus came in grace and truth. That's what we got. We got full truth and we got a lot of grace. You know what that Sodomite said over there that got saved in Holland? He said one thing about it is Brother Parks told it straight. But he preached about the redeeming love of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed there was reconciliation in Christ. You know what he said? He preached both sides of the cross. And that's what I try to do is preach both sides of the cross. There's two sides. Amen? You say, what's that mean, preacher? I just want to be balanced. I want to be balanced. I want to be real. And I want to shoot straight. And then what Rutgers says, plain preaching. That's what I want. That's what I desire. That's what I crave. Amen? I crave having 30, 40 young people up here been saved out of sin, weeping and crying and singing, God is so good. Huh? See their mom and daddies are weeping and crying. Amen? Hit me eye. Amen? I'm not going to set up tattoo booths out here and do all kinds of carnal jumps to try to get them in. Amen? But they need to know we love them. We need to reach them. But that's a goal. I want to see, see men getting converted. Women getting their lives changed. Right? 
And one time we had six women here, all had tattoos all over them, flaunting everyone, looked like billboards. Said, why? Trying to reach sinners. And we had, you know what? We had professing saints. Said, I ain't got no burden for this type of people. I got to get out of here. Scared them. Instead of being a help to those Christians, they were trying to get in. Amen? They didn't want to be here to help. Listen, there's a time it's going to have to be a hospital for sinners, and there's a time it's going to have to be a, uh, a place to help the saints. Amen? But I don't want a country club, and I don't want a circus. Amen? I want an old-fashioned church where people get the help from God. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good and kind to us. Thank you for